We are continuing our look at the prayer of the Apostle Paul for the Colossian church uh, that's recorded for us in chapter 1 of his letter to them, a letter written to a church that he had not visited in person, uh, but some really very helpful um, things that are shared with that church. And of course, because the Lord has included this in Scripture, Uh, They are shared with us today. Uh, He prays, verse 9, that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So there is this knowing of the will of God. You need a Bible for that. Right? You need a Bible to know the will of God. And uh, so he is praying that they would be filled with the knowledge of the Bible. That's another way to look at it. Specifically, obviously the Bible talks about other things than just the will of God, right? Uh, So he is narrowing that to a concern that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will, what it is that he desires, what it is that he commands, what it is that he... Uh, directs and is is delights in what he's pleased with. Uh, So he's praying that on the one hand. And then secondly, verse 10, that that knowledge of God's will would be put to use in our daily walk, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light." And then he goes on and testifies to what the Lord has done for us and how it is that we were made meet or fit or qualified to be partakers of that inheritance. And we will, Lord willing, look at that in future messages. This evening, our focus is on that 12th verse. And actually, we're going to dip back into verse Uh, 11 uh, just for a minute because uh, last week we didn't uh, deal with the last two words uh, with joyfulness and um, I didn't deal with them in part because we ran out of time uh, but also in part because um, translators vary on uh, whether the term with joyfulness should be taken with verse 11 or taken with verse 12. And um, some of the, the punctuation, I guess, in the, in the manuscripts uh, would suggest, I mean, you've got, you got some variance in the manuscripts. And so some would, would leave it with verse 11. There were no verse markings, of course, in the originals. Uh, that was added much later. Uh, but so some would would take the, those two words with verse 11, finishing off that thought. Uh, other manuscripts uh, have a break before the two words, which pushes them into the next verse. Uh, and really, they do stand well in either place. Uh, so we do want, uh, as I just mentioned this uh, briefly at the start of tonight's message, we are going to give brief thought as to how it connects with verse 11 and also how it connects with verse 12. So you may recall in verse 11, uh, the main emphasis is upon the strength that God provides. Um, One of the the results of that strength is uh, that we would have all patience or steadfastness or endurance. That's the idea of bearing up under a load. Um, And then uh, a related word, uh, this idea of long-suffering or patience. That's uh, that uh, not not easily provoked by things that would 
provoke someone. Uh, we just we have a, sh a long fuse, if you will. Um, and we noted last time, and especially with that idea of strength, that 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 reminds us as we think of this walk that verse 10 has been talking about, this walk that is worthy of the Lord. Um, a thoughtful Christian thinking about that prospect of walking in such a way uh, would recognize um, the inadequacy uh, of our strength and our ability to do that, right? And so there is that need for God's strength. That need for God's strength, as we've seen in Romans chapter 8, is especially highlighted in the context of our weakness, and our weakness is manifest in all kinds of ways, whether it's physical weakness, bodily health issues, but even just uh, times of crisis and trouble uh, are times of weakness, right, where we very much need the Lord's strength. And of course, in those times of weakness, uh, the Lord's intent, as we learned from the book of James, was that the trying or testing of our faith is intended by God to work patience or endurance in us. Uh, so it's, it's that very process of testing is part of what uh, provides the, the, uh, the enduring nature of our faith. As it is tested, as it is put to the test, uh, we find God's strength enabling us and keeping us and uh, carrying us forward. And that, of course, is by design on God's part. But if you would keep your finger here and uh, turn to James chapter 1 once again, because I want you to put eyeballs on this. Um, so as we think of that idea of trouble, difficult circumstances, whatever the sort, so don't narrow it at all. But as we think of that idea of those kinds of troubling circumstances, we are mindful of the Lord's intent not to destroy us, but to strengthen us through them. We are very mindful of our dependence upon the Lord for strength in times like that. Um, but we also ought to be mindful that God wants us to respond in our heart a certain way to those kinds of troubling times. James chapter 1, verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy. So Paul is praying that they would walk worthy of the Lord, strengthened with all might by according to his glorious power, acknowledging the need for that strength, uh, recognizing that that will produce the endurance and patience that we need. But Paul also uh, puts into the picture this idea of joyfulness. And again, uh, that is yet another testimony to the grace of God, right? That in the midst of those kinds of hard things, uh, we are able to be joyful, right? His Spirit is, uh, enables us to have that as part of our response uh, to uh, those troubling times. And there's also a very interesting connection uh, between the subject matter of verse 11, strengthened with all might uh, and joyfulness, that we find in an Old Testament book, the book of Nehemiah. I won't have you turn there, but uh, in that book, which of course is a book uh, account or recounting details after the exile, Right? So uh, Jeremiah is ministering when the southern kingdom is carried off into exile. Uh, he prophesies that they will be there for 70 years. 
Daniel is in exile. Ezekiel is in exile, right? Those two uh, prophets are ministering in exile. Uh, But after the 70 years, uh, Cyrus, the king of Persia, allows uh, a return. And uh, there are a number of folk that return. And in that initial return, um, uh, they don't get a whole lot accomplished in Jerusalem from a um, repair standpoint. And so years later, um, Nehemiah, who is a servant of the king of Persia at that time, uh, hears of the condition in that country back in, his, in, in Israel. And uh, so he makes request of the king to allow, be allowed to go back and help build the wall. So he does. And, um, of course, he goes back there. Ezra is back there. There's overlap between Ezra and Nehemiah at that time. right? So this is after, I mean, the city had been destroyed. Temple destroyed, right? People carried off captive, except for the poorest of the land. And so now they've been enabled to come back. And on the occasion that is recorded for us in Nehemiah chapter 8, they gather the people together and they read the Bible to them. And the Levites are present and they expound, they're preaching the word to them. And the people's hearts are broken. They're grieving. They're weeping on that occasion. I mean, put it in the context, right? You're in the midst of all this rubble. And you're hearing the law, the word of God. And in that law, there was much promise to God's people if they would have obeyed and followed and so on. And of course, they didn't. And so all of the warnings about punishment and judgment... They are witnesses to all of that. And now the Lord has graciously brought them back. And so there they are, and they are endeavoring to worship the Lord. And yet their heart is broken. And so Nehemiah says this to them. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 9. Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the word of the law. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto the Lord. Neither be ye sorry for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so in Colossians chapter 1, when he is recognizing the need for strength from God, he includes this idea of with joyfulness. And of course, in Nehemiah's example, uh, they are positioned in a place where Um, the bulk of the trouble, not all of the trouble, obviously, because each generation faces its own trouble, but as a nation, much of that trouble is in the past, right? And so they are personal witnesses of the Lord's deliverance of that nation from captivity. And Nehemiah is encouraging their heart to be joyful in God's deliverance, all right? And so I think that stands very well Uh, with what we have here in not only chapter 11, sorry, verse 11, Colossians chapter 1, but also verse 12, which uh, talks about the Lord's deliverance. Okay, so joyfulness certainly connected with that idea of the trying, the testing of our faith. The Lord wants that to be with joyfulness, right? That we would would look past the trouble uh, to God's faithful provision and strength and that our hearts would rejoice in that. Um, Also, connecting it with um, the giving of thanks, uh, let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And at the end of this epistle to another church, uh, the Apostle Paul, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gives just sort of a bullet list of commands. Uh, that they are uh, 
commanded by the Lord to do. And the list starts in verse 16 with this, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. And then verse 18, In everything give thanks. All right? And so uh, that idea of rejoicing connected with thankfulness, uh, certainly we see it even here in First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5. Now, I stopped partway through that 18th verse. So let's finish the verse. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Colossians chapter 1 praying and desiring that you would be filled with all sorry filled with the knowledge of his will walking worthy of the lord giving thanks unto the father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance right walking worthy of the lord that is walking in accordance with his will, filled with the knowledge of his will, so that you can live it, part of walking worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, that includes this giving of thanks. First Thessalonians 5 gives us the express statement that this kind of thanksgiving in all things, right, uh, in everything, giving thanks, that is the will of God. So if we are going to walk worthy of the Lord, if we are going to walk in accordance with the will of the Lord, if we are going to walk unto all pleasing of the Lord, we must be thankful people. It's not optional. Not if you want to be pleasing to the Lord. You must be a thankful person. Thankful to God, particularly. Right Now, if we are a thankful person to God, that you can't bottle that up. That's going to spill over. You're going to be a thankful person to others as well. Uh, but especially this idea of giving thanks unto God. Uh, that is the express will of God for us. So, we see that idea of joyfulness. Uh, being connected both with the strengthening of us in trial as well as with the giving of thanks. Scripture connects the idea of joyfulness with both of those. And again, uh, we do recognize that joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, right? True joy is something that God's Spirit produces in the heart of believers. Right? Uh, so it is very, very much part of walking a walk that is worthy of the Lord and the salvation that he has provided to us. But thanksgiving is very much a part of that as well. So let's turn our attention now to this giving of thanks. Um, in particular, we are told to give thanks unto the Father and reason is given to us in that 12th verse. Uh, but before we get there, I do want to point out that this subject, the giving of thanks, is something that we are going to see again and again and yet again in this book of Colossians. Only four chapters. And yet every chapter talks about thanksgiving. It's in chapter 1 here. Uh, if you look ahead to chapter 2, notice verse 6. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Pause. Right? So it's the same kind of an idea. Chapter 1 is talking about our walk, our uh, Ordinary course of life, right? The day-to-day -day living of life. And here in chapter 2, 
uh, as we have received Christ Jesus the Lord, we are to walk in him, in Christ Jesus the Lord. Verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught. And then it adds, abounding therein with thanksgiving. And again, we'll preach that those two verses in some future date if the Lord uh, gives us uh, life, etc. Um, so we'll come to that again. But it is it is very helpful at this point to note that in part of our walk, this idea of thanksgiving is something that God is interested in, and not just a little bit. What is the phrase in verse 7? Abounding with thanksgiving. Right? Uh, he wants it multiplied. He wants it to be large in our walk, this idea of thanksgiving. Uh, Colossians chapter 3. Uh, this is a part of what we're memorizing and we worked on these verses this morning. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Right? Uh, so again, this is in the context of putting off the old man and putting on the new man. And one of the marks of the new man, one of the marks of Christ-likeness, thankfulness. Be ye thankful. Two verses later, verse 17, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So again, folks, notice the, the breadth of these things. Whatsoever you do, give thanks. Right? Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 was the same thing. Uh, in everything, give thanks. And so, I don't know about you, but I am very aware of a need to work on this. Right? to really work on cultivating in my heart a response to God of thanksgiving, right? As I go through my day and as I face the things that we face in the course of our day, right? To really be mindful of the need to be thankful to the Lord. Um, obviously, uh, we have biblical example that when we sit down to partake of food, that the Lord has provided for us, we have good, solid biblical example from the Lord Jesus himself of our giving of thanks on those occasions. And that really should be heartfelt thanks. Right? It's easy to have a little ditty uh, that you say. Uh, and those little ditties, if they were said from the heart, are fine. Problem is, they often aren't said from the heart. They're just a little ditty. And it kind of, you know, you can check off the box. Yeah, I gave thanks, you know, for my food. Okay, well, let's engage our hearts, right? Because God wants it. It's a walk that's worthy of him. Is it not? Did he not give you that food? It came from his hand, right? Uh, and so let's truly, truly, truly cultivate uh, spirit and heart of thankfulness. And of course, it's not just about food. Life is more than food. Okay? Um, it is. And uh, so we do need to really be mindful throughout our day. The Lord, folks, the Lord blesses and blesses and blesses again. Right? Uh, somebody sends you a, a note, an email or whatever, and and it's, you know, it's an encouraging thing. And, and it's like, whoa, thank you. Lord. I mean, thank the person too, but thank you, Lord, right? Because he moved that person to do that, you know, for you or whatever, right, often. Uh, so here, very, very much this idea of giving thanks uh, to the Lord. And then finally, 
chapter 4, right? Chapter 4, verse 2. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. And so again, uh, this is a very broad admonition to pray. Very broad. He'll add some requests for himself in verse 3, right? But verse 2 stands as a really broad admonition to pray. And to this idea of continuing has the idea of devoting yourself to this. right? Again, that this is not a small thing. Um, but part of it is to be thanksgiving, right? And again, obviously it's directed toward God because it's part of our praying. We're talking to the Lord and we are including thankfulness uh, with that. Uh, If you would turn to Ephesians chapter 5, there are many passages in Ephesians that run parallel to the book of Colossians. And uh, we have this again here. Um. Ephesians chapter 5, and notice verse 17. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So again, our minds are directed to be conscious of what the will of the Lord is. Now, the following verses are going to communicate some of what the will of the Lord is. Verse 18, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always... For all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So isn't that interesting? You have all three persons of the Godhead in view in those handful of verses. Being filled with the Spirit, giving thanks unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. All three persons of the Godhead are in view. And the will of God is... That as we are filled with God's Spirit, and again, Romans chapter 8, that's, that's sanctification, right? Our being, our walking in the Spirit, our dependence upon the Spirit of God, uh, His trans, transformational work in us into likeness to Christ. And one of the things that is, a, is an important component of that Christ-likeness, of that walk, that is pleasing to God in accordance with his will, is that we give thanks. And we saw this in 1 Thessalonians 5, in everything. Give thanks. And we see it here again in Ephesians 5. Giving thanks... Always for all things. Always for all things. To be thankful. To God. Because your life is lived always and in all things under Him. And if you are in a desert and there's no water to drink, but you've been following the cloud. You're there at his direction. You ought to be thankful. Of course, I'm alluding to the children of Israel, right? As the Lord brought them out of Egypt 
and he's bringing them to a land flowing with milk and honey. And they would have been there a whole lot earlier, right? If they had hearts for God and submissive to him, right? And they didn't, you know, um, turn back and say, let's appoint leaders to take us back to Egypt at Kadesh Barnea, right? When the spies come back with the report and all of that. Uh, but you have all kinds of examples, even before Kadesh Barnea, right? When they, when they get into the littlest bit of tight place, grumble, murmur, complain. Folks, they walked through the Red Sea on dry land. Wall of water here, wall of water there. God did that. God knows how to deal with water, for example, right? And so, again, a heart, a heart that is just too quick to flip into complain mode, that's not good. You are going to forfeit much blessing from the hand of God if that's your default. Oh, that it would be the default in us to say, well, you know, here I am and look what I'm facing. And, and it's, I just, you know, I mean, I can't even fathom how we're going to go. But I know God, right? And I'm going to trust God. And so, Lord, you know, and you have example of George Mueller, right? Uh, you know, sitting down with the children in the orphanage and they're, it's time to eat. And so they're sitting down and they're going to give thanks to the Lord for the food. Only problem, there's no food. But we're going to sit down and give thanks to the Lord for the food. And they do that. And when they're done, knock on the door and the milk truck broke down or whatever, right out in front of their doorway. Hmm, I wonder how that happened. You know what I'm saying, right, folks? Again, I don't want to in any way suggest that the Lord's going to break down milk trucks in front of your house, right? But God is able, right? And again, that whole idea that in, in those times of trouble, His intent is not to destroy us. We are His children. He loves us. His Son died for us to pay the penalty for our sin. He's for us, Romans chapter 8. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. right? So prepare your heart to be thankful to Him. Recognize that in this hard space that He has allowed you to step into, right? He has allowed you to step into this hard place. But there must be something good that He's wanting to do for you, for the people around you, in that hard place. So really, this whole Lord, again, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know how this can possibly be resolved or work out. But Lord, I want to thank you for your promised care of me and your promise that I can cast all of my care upon you. So I do, Lord, I have this need, whatever the situation is, and you bring that to the Lord, and yet you give thanks to him. And folks, really, do you not have anything to thank him for? How about this? Right? Whoops, went the wrong way. How about this? Rest of the verse. That he has made you meet, qualified, to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in light. If nothing else, he has saved your eternal soul. Give thanks for that. Right? Ask him to feed your body, if that's what you need, right? Whatever the trouble is. But, but as a child of God, you always have this to give thanks for. Always. Right? Never can that be taken away from you. Never. doesn't matter how hard the circumstances are. You, if you're a child of God, by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, you are a partaker of that inheritance. You will always have that. 
And that's always worth giving thanks for. Always, right? Now, again, easy to say these words. Hard to live when you are the one in the midst of the trouble. But folks, a good God, knowing all about our trouble, this is the counsel that he gives to us. This is the revelation of his will for us. It is the will of God that in everything we would give thanks. Why is this so important? Why, you know, four times, well, there's five mentions, but in each of these four chapters in the book of Colossians, he's going to come back to this idea of thankfulness. Why do we have it that it's in everything? Why do we have it that it's supposed to be abounding in us? Why is it that there's just this, you know, this big deal that is made of thankfulness? Well, I'm sure there are various reasons. But surely part of it is that it is a tool because if we are giving thanks to God, that's part of our praying, right? And we have said many times, prayer is not for God's benefit, it's for our benefit, right? And so if I am going to insist with myself on including in my prayer to the Lord thanksgiving, by the way, Philippians chapter 4, right? Be careful, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. Oh, did I forget something? Where is it? Verse 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Folks, he wants us to include thanksgiving because as we express that truly from our heart, again, not ditty stuff, but as we just bring the discipline of our heart and mind when we are talking to our God and we're full of care about whatever the thing is, if we are careful to discipline our mind to bring and turn our minds to thanksgiving, what we're doing is we are, we are refocusing ourselves on the Lord's provision for us. We're reminding ourselves of his provision for us, what he has done for us, and what he has promised to do for us, and so on, right? So it, it brings our mind to reflect on that aspect, right? That God is doing for, he has done, and he has promised to do for me. And so I do have reason and ground for thanksgiving. It is very interesting to me, again, asking the question, why is this so important? If you go to Romans chapter 1, when you go to Romans chapter 1, you have a description of much of what is wrong with humanity. Um, their wickedness, the debasedness of their conduct and so on. Much uh, detail given, description, lists of sins and so on, right, in this uh, part of Romans chapter 1. But there's also this, verse 18 for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven 
against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold or suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, as he has revealed himself even in creation, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, and then it adds this, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. And then it goes on and talks about the Lord giving them over and so on, right? But isn't it interesting, of all of the things that could be uh, touched on in giving this broad description of the problem of humanity and its response to God, you have the idea of their unwillingness to glorify him as God, right? to give him his place as God, and their failure to be thankful. So it seems to me that thankfulness, true thankfulness, is connected to glorifying him as God, to giving him his place as God. So that... When you do sit down for that food, thank you, Lord. You are acknowledging his place as God. You're eating his food. It came from him. This past week, I got some cookies. Like, they were big cookies. They were good cookies. And, um, you know, the employer that I'm working for in Montreal sent us some cookies. Sent everybody some cookies. And there's a little note, thank you so much for all your hard work. (laughs) I wrote them a thank you note. Because... They paid for those cookies, right? They sent me cookies. I wrote a thank you note. Okay. When we sit down to eat and we write a thank you note, we're acknowledging it came from him, right? The cookies ultimately, I mean, on a human level, they came from my employer, but ultimately, even the cookies came from him. Right? Folks, it's part of giving God his rightful place. You're breathing. Got a pulse? Sorry, Hugh, nope. <laughs> Where's that? You know? Folks, God. That's God. He's given you life. You're right now, you're breathing his air. Right? You are. And and really it's it's that, you know, underlying this is is this this fatal problem of not giving God his rightful place, failing to glorify him as God. You know, there's I've I've turned to it so many times, I won't have you turn to it again, but well, no, I will. <laughs> First Chronicles chapter 29, because it is such a powerful, true statement. It comes from the mouth of David, the king. 
First Chronicles chapter 29, this is just prior to his death and he knows that his son Solomon is going to be the one that's building a temple and he has, he, David, has given much, uh, material goods and gold and silver and all kinds of provision, bronze and iron and, and, uh, actually he had stone cutters cutting stone in advance, uh, for the construction of the temple and so on. This was much upon his heart. But notice what David says, because the people also uh, give to that work, right? So they're giving of their substance uh, to it as well. Now listen to David, verse 10, 1 Chronicles 29, Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation, and David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, for ever and ever, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Now listen. For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thine hand is power and might. And in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort, for all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. Right? And uh, I'll stop there. But So, I mean, again, it's that idea, really giving him his rightful place. It is all his. Everything that I have is his. The very life that I am living is his. It has come from his hand. He is the giver of life. He is the sustainer of life. In fact, if you go back to Colossians chapter 1, we're going to see that here in just, well, it'll be a while, but it's not many verses. Uh, Notice Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, speaking of the Lord Jesus, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. In other words, he upholds and sustains all of it. Right? Were God to think a thought, we'd all be dead. Right? I mean, he's the sta- he is the sustainer of life. And so what this, what this admonition, folks, a walk that is worthy of the Lord has to be a walk that is thankful to him. Because every step you take, he has given it to you. He has given you the ability to do it. Every single step. God. Right? So let us glorify him as God. And you, the way to do that is to cultivate that kind of thankfulness to him. Right? So may the Lord... Now, we're not done. Okay, verse 12, there's more. right? Because it does give us a specific reason... Uh, to be thankful. And then that really leads into uh, what will follow in the testimony of what Christ has done for us and so on. So we're going to pick that up, Lord willing, uh, in a future message and, and we will flesh that out, right? But, but there's such a basic element here in this idea of thankfulness uh, that we, I believe, had to spend some time on that. So may the Lord uh, really encourage our hearts, right? And this is, you know, put the joy in with this, folks, right? Really, put the joy with this for now, uh, that, that you would rejoice in your giving of thanks, right? You have every cause uh, to give thanks, and especially, as verse 12 does, bring, when, when, the, when you bring into your thinking 
um, that eternal life that Christ has provided for us. Uh, Just a quick thought on that. It's talking about God, verse 12, which hath made us meet. Uh, The idea is there either he's enabled us or uh, many versions translate that qualified. He has made us qualified to to have a share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Apart from God, we were unqualified. We were not suited. And there would be none of that inheritance coming our way apart from God. Right? Uh, but in him, we inherit all things. So thank you, Lord. Right? Let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, um, I pray that you would help us. We have example much example in the testimony of the children of Israel of a spirit of grumbling and discontent. And we dare not throw rocks at them for our hearts are just as inclined to grumble, to be complaining, to be dissatisfied with our circumstances. Lord, help us to, even as we studied this morning, to commit our way unto the Lord, to trust also in you. And Lord, may you bring it to pass. May we do this with a spirit of gratitude, Lord, for you have provided You have provided our souls eternal salvation. You have given to us what we did not deserve. And yet, Lord, you have also provided for us the things for this life in the past. You have done it. You have fed us. You have given us housing. You've put clothes on our body. Lord, you have done it. You have given it to us in the past. And so whatever our hard circumstances may be today or in the future, help us, Lord, to glorify you as God with this spirit of thankfulness. And so, Lord, teach us. Give us grace to do this. Quiet our fearful hearts. Quiet, Lord our anxious thoughts. Give to us your peace that we might truly rejoice and be thankful in all things. Lord, help us. And we pray that as this is incorporated into our walk, we pray that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen.